Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A young woman is attacked by an invincible brain-eating monster. It's a scary to go into a coal mine, and I don't want to die. A Midwestern farmer does battle with a beast that cannot be killed. My stomach dropped. I really couldn't believe what she was telling me. And a New Yorker is infected with the deadliest parasite on the planet. Maybe this is it. I've never, you know, faced death before. Three parasites that are almost impossible to destroy. Three victims fighting for their lives. If doctors cannot cure them, their only hope of survival is by living with the enemy. Worms invisible to the human eye. Insects thirsty for blood. Microscopic amoeba. They might look harmless, but these are some of nature's deadliest creatures. They can hijack our bodies disable our immune systems. They are parasites. But to those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Across the planet, a battle is raging between parasites and their hosts. Parasitism is a great strategy. There is hardly an organism on this planet that doesn't have parasites that are trying to get at it. Some parasites destroy their hosts with terrifying speed. But others have a more cunning strategy. They keep their hosts alive for as long as possible, lurking inside their body and stealing their hosts' nutrients. Some of these parasites are almost impossible to kill. They can evade the immune system, they can hide in the darkest recesses of the body, and they can survive the most powerful drugs we have. And once they strike, they leave their victims condemned to a life sentence of living with the enemy inside them. 2004, Centerville, Virginia. 
28-year-old Wendy Berrios works in the financial industry with her sister, Paula. Having my sister, Paula, has been a blessing in my life. My sister, Wendy, and I are very close. Uh, working with her makes it easier. But Wendy is about to share her life with something far less friendly. We're having a party uh, at, a, at a park, and it, it's a summer day. We're doing sports, and we're just uh, at the park uh, all day. It's really, really hot, and Wendy starts feeling bad. I start having a headache. First thing that comes to my head, uh, well, I was out on the sun. Um, so, you know, it should go away. She wasn't able to continue to play the game, so we decide to leave. I take my sister home. I tell her to get some rest and drink plenty of fluid and to call me if she needs anything. I take aspirin, but it doesn't work. I fall asleep really late and I wake up with a headache. I'm kind of in shock because this headache just keeps getting worse. I don't want to miss work, so I get ready and I push myself out the door. But when she gets to the office, Wendy's condition continues to deteriorate. She's sitting there with her eyes closed and just crying. When I move my eyes, when I move my hands, every little movement I make just creates more pain. It's hard for me to see my sister not being able to walk. So without asking or questioning it, I decide to take her to the emergency room. At the hospital, the doctors have a simple explanation for the headaches. They do a physical test. Uh, they check my eyes. And so they're telling me that my headaches are coming from being out in the sun all day and being dehydrated. I'm thinking to myself, this is from the sun. It has to be from the sun. But Wendy's sister Paula isn't so sure. I don't think that this is just a regular headache. I think it's more to it, so I demand for the doctors to do an MRI. The MRI scans reveal that Wendy's brain has started to swell. It is under attack. After several hours, they return and they tell me that I have 10 to 15 parasites um, around my brain. I'm shocked. The parasites in Wendy's brain are insisted pork tapeworms. The pork tapeworm is a particularly nasty parasite. In 60% of the diagnosed cases of pork tapeworm, the victim has cysts inside the brain. And when you have a cyst in your brain, very bad things can happen. You can have seizures, coma, hallucinations, or possibly even death. The pork tapeworm has two hosts, humans and pigs. The parasite forms cysts in the tissues of a pig. If a human eats undercooked pork that contains the cysts, they get infected. In the human gut, the cysts hatch into adult tapeworms, where they can grow up to several meters long. The adult worms lay eggs that are passed in human feces. If a pig then eats the feces, the eggs grow into cysts in its muscle tissue, and the life cycle repeats. Where sanitation is not very good, this parasite can be very common. 
In some parts of the world, up to 6% of the population harbor this parasite. In most cases, humans get the parasite by eating contaminated pork. But a few get infected when they come in contact with egg-laden human feces. If you eat undercooked pork, you end up with the tapeworm in your gut. But if you eat the eggs that have been passed out in feces, then you can end up with the cysts in your tissues, and that can be a lot worse. This is what happened to Wendy. Wendy grew up in Bolivia. And doctors think that as a child, she ate some food contaminated with egg-laden feces. The eggs developed into larvae that burrowed into her brain and formed cysts. For years, these cysts lie dormant and produce no symptoms. But slowly, the cysts start to grow, releasing toxins into the tissue and causing the brain to become dangerously inflamed. Attacking the human brain is a very cunning strategy for a parasite because not only does it have a lot of oxygen and nutrients, it's also a place that is very hard for the immune system to get to, and so it's very hard for the host to get the parasite out. Wendy is put into the care of Dr. Carlos Pardo, a clinical neurologist at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. Dr. Pardo begins by examining the MRI scans of Wendy's brain. In Wendy's case, uh, the normal structure of the, of, of the brain cavities uh, was uh, abnormal. There is an irregular accumulation of fluid in Wendy's brain. So when we see uh, excess fluid in, inside of the brain, we call this hydrocephalus. Hydrocephalus is the very dangerous buildup of cerebrospinal fluid around and inside the brain. This fluid circulates through passages called ventricles, which connect to the spine. In Wendy's brain, one of the parasites has latched onto a ventricle, restricting the flow of fluid out of her brain. As the fluid builds up, the pressure on her brain increases. I'm thinking to myself, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm young, and I, I just couldn't believe that this, it was happening to me. She may collapse and die. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Wendy Berrios has parasitic cysts growing in her brain. They are restricting the flow of spinal fluid and causing a condition called hydrocephalus left untreated it's deadly but killing the parasite is extremely difficult once a parasite gets inside the brain it poses an especially difficult problem to the host that's trying to get rid of it the brain is separated from the rest of the body by something that's called the blood-brain barrier so in other words blood does not flow through the brain and that means white blood cells cannot get to the brain So if a parasite gets inside the brain, the body's in big trouble because it doesn't have the normal immune response necessary to fight the parasite. The only way to kill the parasite is with a powerful drug called albendazole, which starves it to death. At first, the treatment seems to be working. I am doing well. I have my ups and downs. Um, Overall, the approach helps but the headache, it's still there. Three years go by, and the treatment seems to have killed the parasite. Or has it? It's May. I'm in my living room, and I'm talking to Paula. All of a sudden, I have this headache again. I cannot bear the pain anymore. And at this point, I know something has to be wrong again. Wendy rushes back to the hospital, where she is given another MRI. When the results come back, the doctors give Wendy the news she's been dreading. One of the parasitic cysts survived the treatment. It is still living in her brain. Unfortunately, the antiparasitic treatment was inefficient in killing the parasite located in the ventricle. The parasite is once again restricting the flow of spinal fluid, putting her brain under massive pressure. Wendy must face the reality that it may be impossible to kill the parasite in her brain. The doctors have only one option left, brain surgery. In some cases, it's actually possible to open up the brain and take the cysts out. But in Wendy's case, the cyst has latched on to a highly sensitive part of her brain, and removing the parasite is impossible. The surgeons are left with only one option, 
To relieve the pressure, they must reroute the spinal fluid by cutting tiny holes in the brain's tissue. If successful, this will allow the fluid to drain away, relieving the pressure on the brain. But even this won't kill the parasite. The goal of the surgery is not to remove the parasite, but to relieve the pressure on the brain. They say if I don't have the surgery, then I might go into uh, a coma. I could uh, go blind and it just, uh, it's just scary. And I don't want to die. My sister sees me crying and suffering. Uh, she doesn't want me to go through this. And I feel bad because she has to go through this with me. I'm afraid to lose my sister. And I'm praying that she will make it through the surgery. The brain is a very sensitive and important organ in the body. So anytime that surgery is done on the brain, there's always a high level of risk. For two hours, the neurosurgeons battle to save Wendy's life. When she wakes up, I didn't recognize my sister. She was swollen, and I saw how they cut her head. I'm relieved because I know that she's conscious and safe. So I wake up, and the first person I see is my sister. It was just a great feeling. Three months later, Wendy has made a full recovery, and her life has returned to normal. Apart from one thing, she will spend the rest of her life living with the parasitic cyst lodged in her brain. But because the surgeons have established a new route for the spinal fluid, her life is no longer in any danger. Wendy will continue having the parasite in the ventricular system, but fortunately with the surgical treatment approach, the pressure in the brain is going to be normalized. I'm back to work. I'm doing things that I used to do before I got sick. <laughs> I have learned that what doesn't kill you is actually makes you stronger. <laughs> the pork tapeworm is one of the most common parasites to affect humans. It infects over 50 million people worldwide. The best way to avoid it is to wash your hands before and after handling food. And if you eat pork, make sure that it's cooked all the way through. One of the reasons that the pork tapeworm is so nasty is that once it forms a cyst inside the brain, it's almost impossible to kill. If you get the right medical treatment, sometimes living with the parasite for your entire life can be manageable. But in other cases, a person who gets a parasite has their life changed forever. 1993. Shannon, Illinois. Lori Mole is raising her 12-year-old son, Jonathan. Shannon is a rural community, and Jonathan often helps out at the local farm. Any opportunity could he go to the farm and help milk cows and ride the tractors. But their idyllic rural life is about to be shattered. John wears glasses, and he was mentioning that his vision was starting to get more blurry. We Take him to see the doctor. Did the regular eye exam as usual. Jonathan reads the eye chart perfectly with his left eye. But when he tries with his right, he can barely see anything. The optician asks Jonathan to draw and shade in the area that he can't see out of in his right eye. 
The results are deeply disturbing. 75% of the vision in Jonathan's right eye has disappeared. Why is a mystery. So the optician refers him to a specialist. I was worried a little bit, but we just went ahead to go see the specialist. The specialist examines Jonathan's eye and conducts further tests. The results will change his life forever. My heart sank. Um, you don't want your child to go blind. The most effective way of avoiding the pork tapeworm is to do which of the following? A. Boil water before drinking. B. Avoid eating undercooked pork. C. Worm pets regularly. The most effective way of avoiding the pork tapeworm is to avoid eating undercooked pork. 12-year-old Jonathan Steen has lost 75% of the vision in his right eye. To find out why, his doctor conducts a series of tests. When the results come back, Jonathan's mother is devastated. She said it's a parasite that attacks the retina and it leads to blindness. My heart sank. Jonathan has been attacked by a protozoan parasite called Toxoplasma gondii. The parasite travels through the human body in the blood. When it reaches the tissues, it bursts out and attacks the surrounding cells. When the body's white blood cells attack the parasite, the surrounding tissues become inflamed. If the parasite gets into the eye, this inflammatory response damages the retina, causing blindness. She said his eyesight was already gone in this eye, so there was nothing they could do about his eyesight. Jonathan's immune system has brought the infection under control, but the parasite has been stopped, not killed. It is still lurking within him. One of the reasons that Toxoplasma is so successful as a parasite is that once it's inside the body, it's almost impossible to destroy. When the Toxoplasma parasite gets attacked by the immune system or by drugs, it forms a cyst that is almost indestructible. The immune system can keep this parasite at bay, but it can't kill it. Once a human gets the Toxoplasma parasite, they will have it for the rest of their life. But how did the parasite get into Jonathan's eye in the first place? Toxoplasmosis primarily infects cats and rodents. The parasite breeds in the small intestine of an infected cat, where it produces millions of spores. These spores are excreted in the cat's feces. When rodents eat contaminated feces, they too become infected. When a cat eats an infected rodent, the parasite's life cycle is complete. But if a human eats the infected feces, then they can become infected. Doctors think that Jonathan got the parasite through putting contaminated dirt into his mouth. After we found out what it is, Jonathan um, just kept living life like he usually does, and like a 12-year-old boy, and playing and being with his friends. 
Jonathan graduates with a degree in heavy equipment mechanics. He marries Stephanie, and together with their two kids, they live on her family farm in Illinois. I work on the farm, do mechanical work on the equipment. We have crappable acres and animals. We're living on my father's farm and just farming and living life. But one day, 13 years after losing the sight in his right eye, Jonathan wakes up to a burning pain in his left eye. At first, he assumes that he has something called welder's burn. Welder's burn is very painful. It, it, it's like somebody threw sand in your eye and it, like you just want to scratch your eyes out. A welder's burn is an inflammation of the clear tissue that covers the front of the eye called the cornea. It's caused by looking at very bright lights without eye protection. Mild cases usually heal over time with no after effects. And I said, well, it, it'll go away and uh, just went about my day doing what I normally do. But the pain doesn't go away. And then while driving his tractor, Jonathan makes an alarming discovery. I was going to round bale hay and I, I couldn't make out the monitor. At that point, I knew something was wrong. He called me and told me that his eye was hurting him. His vision was blurry. Stephanie rushes him to the local eye doctor. I drive him in there. He can't see, everything's blurry. I mean, he couldn't even make out the figure of my face. They did a routine eye exam. They did a routine medical check as far as asking me all the basic questions. They drew blood, did blood work. They looked up close with magnifying glass and a bright light into my left eye and also my right eye. They came to the conclusion that it was toxoplasmosis in my left eye. And they explained there's no cure for it. She tells us that she believes his toxo has come back. 13 years after he lost the use of his right eye, suddenly it looks like he's about to lose his left. I feel very upset. I, my stomach dropped. I really couldn't believe what she was telling me. For the last 13 years, the parasite has been lurking somewhere in Jonathan's body, kept in check by his immune system. The human immune system is very good at controlling the toxoplasma parasite. In some parts of the world, 80% of the human population have this parasite and don't even know it. But if the human immune system is compromised, this parasite can reawaken, and then there can be very serious consequences. Jonathan's wife, Stephanie, refuses to be defeated. She is determined to save her husband's sight. When we get home, I sit down and start to research. You know, he supports us, and I wanted to try to help him any way that I could. After hours of painstaking research, Stephanie makes contact with a team of specialists at the University of Chicago. They told us to get in there right away. It's their last chance to save Jonathan's eyesight. The 
The next day, Jonathan and Stephanie make the three-hour trip to Chicago. He's scared that they can't do anything, that this is something he just has to live with. Assigned to Jonathan's case is Dr. Rama Jagger. A parasite actually can settle into lots of different um, tissues within the body. Um, they have a predilection for the brain and for the central nervous system. Dr. Jagger and his team noticed that Jonathan's symptoms are similar to another condition called macular degeneration. And macular degeneration can be treated. We're thinking about giving him an injection in the eye to a point where he'll be able to see clearly. The injection has been used for macular degeneration, but never to treat toxoplasmosis of the eye before. There is no guarantee that the treatment will work. Getting an injection in your eye, I think, is a very difficult thing to go through. We are willing to try anything at this point for his sake. It was very discomforting to know they were going to put a needle in my eye. Jonathan's future depends on the success of this untested treatment. If it fails, he won't just lose his sight, but his livelihood as well. The parasite that's been living inside Jonathan Steen for over 13 years is about to rob him of his sight. The only chance to save his vision is to have an injection in his eye. They get a Q-tip with a numbing agent on it and rub it in your eye. I could not sit still. I was moving. I was sweating. They pulled your eyelid open and put it in your eye and inject a shot. I watched them stick the needle in his eye. It's very painful. I'm holding his hand the entire time, trying not to scream. You do all you can or try as hard as you can just to not think about it. If the injection works, it will inhibit the body's inflammatory response to the parasite, preventing the retina from becoming damaged. Jonathan and Stephanie return to the farm, desperately hoping that the treatment will work. After a course of three injections, Jonathan's vision begins to return to normal. His eyesight is saved. I had no more blurriness. I could see just as good as if before this had happened. He's done beautifully, and his vision's actually gotten substantially better. So I'm very happy for him. We're grateful that he can get up every day and do his job and take care of us. Jonathan may have won this battle against the toxoplasma parasite, but he will spend the rest of his life knowing that the parasite is still hiding in his body waiting for a chance to launch another attack. I was told that it could come back, but if you live thinking what could happen, you're not really ever going to live your life or be happy. So you go on with life and do what you normally do. Hopefully it never does happen, and go on living life and take it how it comes Toxoplasma infects as many as one-third of the entire human population. But the parasite's primary host isn't humans, but cats. One of the best ways to avoid infection is to always wash your hands after cleaning your cat's litter box. 
In some cases, the toxoplasma parasite can do very serious damage to its host, but most of the time, the immune system can keep it at bay. It can't be killed, but it is possible to live with it. But there's one parasite that kills more people on this planet than any other. It's extremely resilient, and once people get it, they're often stuck with it for the rest of their lives. February 2007, New York City. Kelly Moles is a 25-year-old newlywed investment banker living with her husband, Kyle. We moved to New York because we thought it would be fun to try out life in this crazy city. We're from the Midwest originally. We're living in the city now, and we're absolutely loving it. But for Kelly, the life of wedded bliss is about to turn into a living nightmare. It's a Saturday. I'm at home. I wake up in a cold sweat. I get a fever and a headache. And now I start to get the chills. I'm just shaking. Even though it's warm in the apartment, I feel cold all over. I'm certainly not feeling myself. She doesn't have very much energy at all, which is nothing like her. I'm having to help her out with everything from getting her medicine to getting her a glass of water. I feel horrible between the fever, the headaches, and the chills. I don't know what's wrong with me. My hunch is that, that she's probably just got the flu bug. It's February in New York. The flu bug is going around a lot right now. Kyle gets a thermometer and takes my temperature. It's reading about 102, and that's a little bit alarming to me. At this point, I'm concerned, and I, I want to try to find out what this might be. It's the weekend, so Kyle takes Kelly to the local emergency room. They take my vital signs. They take my temperature. They take my blood. They decide that I must have a case of food poisoning. And I guess that this makes sense. What they described seems to kind of fit the bill. I've had food poisoning before, and I'm not sure if this is what it is. But this is what the doctors are telling me. I head home without any medicine or anything and hope that the symptoms are gone for good. The next morning, all seems well again, and Kelly goes to work. I'm at the office on a conference call, and the fever strikes again. I can't believe it. I thought that this fever was gone for good. At this point, I realize it definitely is not food poisoning because the symptom is reoccurring. She leaves work early to visit her general practitioner. I have a low-grade fever, but I tell him that I'm feeling really sick. I don't know what it could be. After a few minutes, my doctor tells me I have the flu. I'm not completely convinced, but I'm hoping that the medicine that he gave me will help me to feel better. When we went to the, the emergency room, they told us it was food poisoning. Now we have the family doctor telling us that it's a flu. I'm not really sure what to think. Back home, Kelly takes her flu medication, and 24 hours later, it seems to have worked. The next morning, I wake up, I feel okay. I go to work, um, carry on the day as usual. Maybe the doctor was right. Maybe it was just the flu and now it's all behind me. For two days, she feels fine. But then the fever returns with a vengeance. It's like a bad movie. 
the same things keep happening over and over again. This has absolutely been a roller coaster ride. It's just craziness. One day she's fine, one day she's horrible. As my fever gets higher, it continues to get harder to process what's going on around me. While Kyle is at work, Kelly's condition worsens. She even begins to fear for her life. I think that my time is really short and whatever I have is getting to a very critical stage. For the first time in my life, I, I really fear that, um, that maybe this is it. Thinking that she might die, Kelly rushes to an outpatient clinic. I find a couch in the waiting room. I lay down and hope that someone will help me. The nurse takes my temperature and tells me my temperature is normal. Then they discharge me. I refuse. I, I can't go home, and if I'm going to die, I'm going to die in a hospital where someone can help me. But one hour later, the nurse returns to take Kelly's temperature again. This time, it's sky high. She is very alarmed because my temperature is 104 after being normal only an hour ago. She'd never seen a temperature go up this fast. Kelly is seriously ill, but will the doctors reach a diagnosis before it's too late? Kelly Moles is in the emergency room at the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. She is delirious, she is hallucinating, and she has a fever of 104. I'm saying my prayers and hoping that this time we're finally going to figure out what's going on. On call is Dr. Daniel Koblipsky, an expert on infectious diseases. In listening to Kelly's story, we're hearing about fevers that are recurring every 48 hours. And there is a certain thing about fever patterns that are very important to listen to and understand. We asked Kelly if she had been anywhere outside the country in the past year. I tell them that I haven't been on any trips recently, but that nine months ago, I took my honeymoon to Africa. This is a critical piece of information because many people can acquire infections abroad that have a period of latency and incubation. That means that they won't feel any symptoms until sometimes months or even years later. The doctors returned to Kelly's blood sample. Could it hold the clue to Kelly's illness? Kelly has some very abnormal labs. It looks like there's a problem with her blood. There's evidence that red blood cells are being broken open. As we try to figure out all these different abnormalities on her peripheral blood smear, uh, the one thing that can put it all together is malaria. Malaria is caused by a tiny parasite called plasmodium. I can't believe I have parasites in my blood. I think of malaria as a really deadly, scary disease. Once inside the host body, the plasmodium parasite enters individual red blood cells. There, they multiply rapidly and eventually break the cell apart from within. 
and legions of new parasites re-enter the bloodstream and start the attack all over again. This cycle of destruction repeats every 48 hours. The reason that people who have the malaria parasite get these fevers that come and go is that the parasite spends part of its life cycle inside red blood cells where the body doesn't notice that it's there. And then when the parasite erupts out of the red blood cells into the bloodstream, the body mounts a huge response and that's when the fevers happen. When they explained how malaria goes in cycles, it all clicks. But even though we have a diagnosis, things start to get more severe. Malaria can be fatal, especially in people who don't have immunity to it and have never been exposed to it. You know, never ever would I have ever imagined that I would be sitting in a hospital talking about something that could potentially kill my wife. Um, it's just, I'm in shock. But how did this deadly parasite get into Kelly's system? The parasite is transmitted from host to host by an insect, the mosquito. When an infected mosquito bites a human, the parasites enter the bloodstream and travel to the liver where they reproduce. The new parasites then move back into the bloodstream and attack red blood cells. When a mosquito bites someone with malaria, the parasite enters the insect and the cycle starts again. Malaria is the most successful human parasite on Earth. Every year, it kills more people than any other kind of organism. One of the reasons malaria is so successful is that it has the ability to avoid anti-malarial drugs by hiding inside the liver. During her honeymoon, she took her malaria prophylaxis exactly as directed. Unfortunately, no type of malaria prophylaxis would treat the liver phase of this parasite. It only treats the blood phase. So. When she had a mosquito bite, some of the parasite was able to get to her liver and lie dormant for many months. In the hospital, Kelly's condition is deteriorating fast. I feel so out of my mind and sick that I barely notice what's going on around me. I'm starting to have chills, and I feel this bout coming on, and I'm afraid of how strong it will be. Twenty-five-year-old Kelly Moles is fighting for her life. The malaria parasite has ravaged her red blood cells, draining her body of nutrients. In a desperate attempt to save her life, doctors prescribe an antiparasitic medicine called chloroquine. The drug works by disrupting the parasite's metabolism, starving it to death. These medicines destroy the parasites inside the red blood cells. Later, we need to give her an additional treatment to kill off all the parasites that are sleeping in her liver. But there's no guarantee that the drugs will work. With modern medicine, you can kill the parasites in the blood and you can kill the parasites in the liver. But it's almost impossible to ever be certain that all the parasites are gone from the liver. Slowly, Kelly's red blood cells start to recover. But just as she begins to feel better, a terrifying new symptom appears. I'm laying here in the bed, and my side feels like something is just grabbing on and, and squeezing it. 
We're concerned she's losing blood somewhere. We immediately order a CAT scan. The doctors find that her spleen has swollen to twice its normal size. The spleen's job is to filter out damaged blood cells. With so many cells destroyed by the parasite, Kelly's spleen is overworked. If it ruptures, Kelly could die. A splenic rupture is a potentially fatal situation because she can lose so much blood that she may bleed to death. We rush her to the ICU. My spleen gets so big that it actually tears. Kelly's life hangs in the balance. We call in a surgical team in case she may need the spleen removed because in some cases the bleeding is uh, too brisk to stop. I'm a religious person, so at this point, I am praying to God that uh, things will be okay. I've never, you know, faced death before. I'm very scared and very afraid. She's losing blood at a very quick place. She needs two units of blood transfusion to get her blood counts up to a safer level. For seven days, Kelly battles for her life. After a series of blood transfusions, she finally begins to recover. Slowly, her spleen begins to heal. Kelly gets very lucky, and the bleeding stops. I think Kelly really did dodge a bullet. Over the course of a week or so, I slowly start to recover. Finally, Kelly leaves the hospital and returns to a normal life. Walking out of the hospital is one of the happiest days of my life. The fact that that she's actually able to walk on her own and smile again is absolutely awesome. Even though Kelly is now symptom-free, she can never be sure that the parasite is gone from her system forever. There are thousands of cases of people that have malaria, receive treatment, and think they're cured, but they have a relapse many years later and find out that all along they've been living with the parasite. Malaria is endemic in tropical regions across Africa, South America, and Asia. Between 350 and 500 million people are infected with the parasite worldwide. When traveling in affected regions, the best way to avoid infection is to always wear insect repellent. Use a mosquito net at night and take a full course of anti-malarial drugs. There is no question that malaria is the most deadly human parasite on Earth. It kills millions of people every year, and even the people that survive malaria may never be able to rid themselves of the parasite completely. When we think about the natural world, we often think about predator and prey relationships. But one could argue that the relationship between parasites and their hosts is even more common on Earth. And while some parasites kill their hosts, it's actually in the best interest of most parasites to keep their hosts alive. Some of the most successful parasites on Earth are so difficult to kill that once a host is infected, it's condemned to a life with a monster inside them. For more disgusting parasites and their stomach-churning habits, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monstersinsideme. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.